Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're wrong once again with Shizo. We're almost through the buyers here, team, and I'm on once again with JB to chat all the big issues leading into the final buy round. How are you, mate? Yeah, well, I'm I'm surrounded by big issues. <laughs> There's a lot happening, so a lot of injuries that we have to talk about and potential replacements because there's there's not a big pool of players that you can really pick from. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm going okay. I did make a bit of an an, an error per se and traded in uh, Jax McRae because I had to field 18 this week. Chose McRae over Kerno because it was my last midfield upgrade, and who wouldn't? I was willing to take the the slight price buffer considering what McRae did last time in Adelaide in the raining conditions. And then, obviously, McRae got injured. So I got stuck with a 70K decrease and an injured McRae, who was my vice-captain, but still managed to rise a little bit in rank. So it could be worse, Chizo. And I think a lot of people were in my position with McRae and not a lot of uh, thought into who to replace him with because he's the best player in the game at the moment. Look, I'd like to commend you on your actions because, you know, Pistol and I, we were sort of consoling you in the messenger chat and you know if you wanted to sneak sweep it under the rug we we're going to be happy just you know pretend it didn't happen don't announce it to the world but you know to your credit you've come out you've owned the mistake or i guess it's not something you could you know uh have predetermined before the game so you've you've puffed your chest out you said look the game keeps going and i'm proud of you for that jb it's not it's usually you that's crying in the corner so uh good for you <laughs> times have changed um uh, we've obviously got a lot to talk about only one podcast during the buy, so we're going to try cover as uh, as many of the topics as we would on the Thursday uh, team pod, uh, uh, podcast as well. Um, the first thing off the top of the hat, uh, obviously, mate, Wines has signed on for another four years. You must be pleased with that. Yeah, great news, and it means you grubby Essendon supporters can stop trying to feed him <laughs> from our midfield and put him in your own. So, um, no, it was, it was very good. I think uh, Ken Hinckley said in the pre-season when he was asked about it um, when he was asked about Tom Rockliffe actually he said he was 100% certain Rockliffe would be coming to port and then uh, the next week he signed on and then when he was asked later about Ollie Wines he said however sure I was of Rockliffe you can add a couple of zeros to that so um, from then on hearing that from the coach I was pretty confident and uh, I mean Ollie's words a couple of weeks back did put a little bit of concern in me because if you, he said he was happy with the deal happy with the club but just didn't want to sign at the moment which is a little concerning, but as we see now, a four-year extension, uh, great news for the club, and a future captain, if I ever saw one. You could pretty much peg that from his debut season. So really carries himself well and, and great for Port. Bad for all the other, you know, 10 VFL, or uh, VFL, the 10 <laughs> um, Victorian clubs that had their uh, had their mitts on him. Yeah, only if he went to St Kilda would he would the best player in the team end up in the VFL, racking up fifty odd touches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it begs the question: now that you're so in love with Ollie, he's signed up with the uh, the club again. Obviously, you're bringing him in this week as your final mid upgrade. We will discuss this later, Tizo, <laughs> because uh, we do need to talk about McRae replacements. And we'll save that towards the end. Um, but he's in strong consideration, uh, mostly not because he's re-signed, but because he's been a gun lately. But um, I think we got a lot of cancer council uh, donations over the week. So would you like to run us through those? Yeah, we certainly do. Uh, quite a few. It's been a busy week, um, JB. We've even got two donations from Mrs. Pistol. I can't wait wait to uh, uh, to read to read hers out. Um, we've got donations from Throts, Hamish McShane, Dylan Lucata Wells, Travis McLean, Bernadette Hansen, Mrs. Pistol, Andrew Levesque back in again, Clint Waite, 
and uh, Jack Plunkett gardening for all your gardening needs in the Hearst, uh, Hillsville area. Oh, a cheeky um, plug as well. <laughs> the donation. Well played, Jack. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, we re- appreciate literally uh, all the donations and all the kind words that you've had for us. It's been a killer buy round as uh, evidenced by those donating to donuts. Um, I do want to highlight just a little bit of shade that uh, Mrs. Pistol has been throwing through in the comments we get on the donation page. If you haven't uh, jumped over and read uh, to read through them, they're fantastic. Uh, Mrs. Pistol copped a donut in the first buy round, uh, but was still uh, still ranked 356th. In the latest update, uh, she's now ranked 254th. And she's just asking us, JB, uh, we should ask Pistol what he's ranked just with a little cheeky smiley face there, mate. I think uh, there's a little uh, little bit of a battle for who wears the pants in the Supercoach relationship here, mate. Yeah, and I don't think it's a battle that is uh, met with much reluctancy from Pistol because <laughs> he's not very good at Supercoach and Mrs. Pistol is very good at Supercoach. So if, uh, if we were big enough to get her on this podcast, then she'd already be on it and Pistol would be out. So... Unfortunately, she's a big big celeb, Mrs. Pistol, so she's got her own time. But, um, yeah, she's killing him, as per usual, in uh, in Supercoach. And I, I learned this very early, Chizo. I thought I was better than Mrs. Pistol and joined the league, and uh, she trounced us both in the finals. So <laughs> not ideal, but she's Let's not good. touch on that again because uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I've still got scars from that. that uh, to- uh, let's just say... There was a little bit of a fluke involved. I'm quite disappointed uh, because I thought I had it in the bag. But uh, credit where credit's due, uh, I, I'm definitely not ranked in the top 250 like Mrs. Pistol is. So back to back, she's doing fantastic. Um, but yeah, she, she can run the podcast next year. What do you think, JB? We might as well retire while we're behind and uh, she can take over. Uh, we are almost up to 1600 bucks this year into the Cancer Council donation fund. It's getting bigger every year, JB, and that's something that I'm excited about because uh, we're getting more behind the cause and more people getting on it's just fun to have you know just a bit of a laugh as as things go on and uh luckily uh there's another hundred dollars coming from me i had 16 on the field last week jb i had not planned for walters to lose his mind i had not planned for laird to break his hand and just through all the other trades just trying to field aside when we had like the ed phillips and things and, and these guys not getting onto the park on when i needed them gave me extra donuts so uh started with uh 19 or 20 at the start of the round and ended up with 16 so uh go figure here jb so another 100 bucks coming from me 50 dollars a donut still can't believe i've had four this year but you know <laughs> life moves on life moves on jb just before we get into the score recaps from the uh, round we should mention that uh essendon on twitter did mention that devon smith has recovered from his corked calf and is expected to play this week and also the news on toby mclean's shoulder is looking positive still has to pass a fitness test but is looking likely to be selected in the team for round 14 so good for those like you and me that have him jb and we should uh, start off the round by covering the uh, the Bulldogs game. Obviously, Jack McRae only putting up 51, injuring himself in the warm-up of uh, uh, coming out after half-time against Port Adelaide. It wasn't really uh, that much of an interesting contest because Port really had the uh, had the grips on the game for most of it, JB. Yeah, and I'd like to start off by saying Thursday night football is the worst um, mostly because I've got Thursday night basketball that I have to attend, <laughs> but and I miss every Thursday night game. And then also because every you Thursday also miss every shot from what port. I hear, <laughs> so it's, it's never a good mixture. 
But um, it, they're just, I don't know, it just doesn't have the same feeling as Friday night. It's not, it, you have to go to work after watching footy, which just feels wrong. And there's just a lot wrong with Thursday night footy, but that's a whole another uh, conversation. But yeah, it was Port getting the chocolates over the Bulldogs. And I think it was a bit of a, um, you know, a double-edged sword on this one. You, you had players like Tom Rockliffe, who people invested in, uh, Robbie Gray, uh, Justin Westhoff, and even Chad Wingard as a sneaky point of difference, all playing well. But then you had the likes of Toby McLean and Jackson McRae on the other side getting a pair of 50s. So um, it was really, yeah, you, you'll probably talk us through it better than I have now, but it was a bit of a crazy game, actually. It certainly was, and you know it, it is nice to see over the last two rounds, Rocky's gone back to back tons, which is, uh, you know, he's showing a little bit more form, and particularly because his dream team score was really high up there in the one twenty five, I think it was. So he's definitely getting around the ball and, and being that Rocky of old, which is what we want to see. It was his highest score for the year as well, uh, but his three round average since I've had him in here, JB, is still only eighty nine point three because of that um, that forty odd when he was tagging Titch. So, you know, uh, we still. We like to hope that this is going to be the scores that he'll continue for the rest of the season, but he's obviously shown that he can play a uh, a tagging role at times. So he's hoping that it does continue um, in his free-running ways. And uh, it was just one of those games where all the big guns, on, uh, I guess, on both sides were scoring well. Bontempelli, the only notable scorer on uh, the Bulldog side, he was the only big gun that turned up to play. Uh, but Ollie Wines, 157. He's gone back-to-back 140-plus scores here, JB. He's one to talk about. Uh, Paddy Ryder, 125. Robbie Gray, 121. And Westhoff, after a little bit of a slow start, uh, 114, would be happy for those that had any of those players, JB. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of people that were getting nervous about doubling up on the port forwards, uh, Robbie Gray and Westhoff can see that when they're in uh, decent size victories, as most forwards end up doing, they end up scoring well. So uh, Port with a slightly easy run after Melbourne um, will be looking to take full advantage of that. And if you've got the double up of Port players in your forward line, then I would not be concerned at all. Uh, the question I have for you, Chizo is Rockliffe has only gone up 15k this round with his big score, uh, obviously considering he just got that 40 out of his uh, break-even. Now has a break-even of 15, and he's still only 400k. Now, I know a lot of people are making real crazy moves for their M8 position, or even still looking at an M9 potential. Seeing Rockliffe do this has given me a lot of hope that he can actually be a decent M8-9. Do you have that similar type hope? Would you recommend uh, looking hard at him as a trading option still. <laughs> I, I want to know where this has come from. I brought him in three weeks ago and you were about to cut me from the, the Doc Supercoach admin group. <laughs> well. <laughs> he has one good score and then then you're all on board. I said, I said typical Port Adelaide supporter. Well, three tons out of his last four <laughs> and the only reason he didn't ton against Hawthorne, well, I mean, he was struggling he to find it in the first half, but. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, two, three big scores out of four. And look, if he's got that sort of consistency and you're still holding someone like Dustin Martin, who's consistently going sub-ton, it, it's not the worst option to try and get a bit of a rotation going between those two. Yeah, no, I, I, I see where you're coming from. That's definitely what I picked up Tom Rockley for. I'm hoping um, this week... 
my plans are to get Josh Kelly into my side. That will push Tom Rockliffe to an M9 uh, or a Dustin Munn, depending on whether he turns up to play. So uh, that will give me the benefit of being able to loophole players with an M11. So that's my tactic at the moment to try and eke out a few more points and get the best eight uh, on field each week. Alternatively, what you can do is uh, rather than extending your money onto the bench at M9 like I have, invest that extra 400 grand uh, across the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the midfielders that you have. So instead of having to find $400,000 to have an M9, you can have $400,000 spread across those that you bring into your, your actual starting squad every week. It does mean that if you ever have an injury, you do have to bring on like a Paul Hearn, for example, JB. Uh, but I just felt that Tom Rockliffe's uh, value, even right now, particularly with a break-even of 15, if you have the potential to keep him at an M8 or an M9, I think his pedigree is just, uh, you know, it's worth the risk in, in my position. And from my rank, I've got no, uh, you know, no hope of winning the car. So um, I was just taking a little bit of a calculated risk. And while it hasn't fully paid off yet, I'm hoping that we see some more scores towards the end of the year. And so I wouldn't mind that decision. Um, I wouldn't be banking on him to be a 100-point scorer, you know, average from here until the end of the year. Um, like there's no guarantee compared to, uh, you know, I guess a Josh Kelly that you'd be hard-pressed to find reasons why he won't average 100. Um, but obviously that price gap might able to, uh, you know, allow you to get some better premium in a different line. So I can see the, you know, the, the risk-benefit um, argument you've got there, and I've got him for that reason, JB. So I think he does provide pretty good value. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? If you can try and if you've got players like Dude who you've let fatten up, Fritsch who you've let flat, fatten up when others were trading out, you might have a bit of extra value there. Um, if you nailed your early premiums like the Olivers and the the Kellys and oh, okay, that's not really nailing it. He wasn't an early premium, was he? He was a late. <laughs> he's barely a late, a late premium. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, like Crips, for example, and Caniglio. Um, then you might have a little bit of extra money to try and spend, um, in which case I think Rockliffe is a decent option. Now, I will ask you another question, Chizo. I'll put you on the spot back-to-back here. Um, 394K is Chad Wingard. Scores of 116 and 105 playing almost exclusively in the midfield. What are your thoughts on him as a potential point of difference as he's only in, as I look it up, 5% of teams at the moment? I've said it on uh, previous years. Chad Wingard is one of my favourite players in the AFL. I, I remember, a, I think it was a semi-final against the Hawks at, at Adelaide Oval, where he just dummied around Sean Burgoyne, and you know, one of the the greatest players of the you know the modern era. He's got so many uh, accolades to his name. He just made him look like a fool. Like this guy has incredible talent. The problem is that he is so effective around the goal face that it, there is the tendency that when they have a, a strong midfield brigade with the Wines and the Rockliffe and, and, and these kind of players and a Sam Powell Pepper that uh, you know only knows uh, inside mid-roll, he does get stuck up forward line a lot. And that's, that's the worrying thing because when he does get this midfield role, he's going after the ball, he's doing all the things we want him to do. But there's a reason that, you know, the first 10 rounds of the year he was stuck, you know, two metres out of the goal squares because he's ridiculous around the goals as well and does some miraculous things. So there's always the concern that between now and the end of the year he is going to revert back to that forward line role. I think for me personally, I think 
that it's a little bit of a risk grabbing him, but the fact that he's lost 116, 117,000 this year, you are getting another bargain, um, just like Tommy Rockliffe um, for that reason. So uh, if you're getting a bargain, you've got him as like an F6 um, position, you know, it's going to be hard to to say no to a Chan Wingard if you, if you really are desperate and short on cash. If I had a little bit of extra money, I'd be grabbing a, a Gray or a Westhoff to put in my forward line. But he's definitely not a bad option. I'm just I just do personally think that he will become you know a forward oriented player, particularly when it comes to uh, the finals when uh, you know they don't need to get any form into him, which is the reason for his role change to begin with. Yeah, so that's definitely the risk that you're taking and. I tend to agree. I think it's riskier going with him uh, than it would be going almost any other forward that's that's averaging around the 90 mark in the, the last couple of weeks anyway. So, um, yeah, he's obviously got that risk associated with him. And with his forward scores, he can pull out good ones, but he's mostly going to score around the 70 or 80 mark when he's sitting up forward. So um, definitely something to think about, though. On the Western Bulldogs side, Chizo, um, there's not a whole lot to talk about because we'll discuss McRae at the end. And Toby McLean was playing injured in this one. Obviously, faced a faces a fitness test this week. Um, hence, his score of fifty two, and obviously they got trounced. So, other than that, it was kind of a quiet game, as much as it really, really wasn't. Um, so, I think we can move into the next match, unless you've got well, just any before we do, JB. Sorry, to, sorry to jump in. One player that I do want to touch on. He's only five hundred and thirty-two thousand. JB, I'll read out some scores since round six. So, but not be round six. Belly. 145, 132, 120, 128, 129, and a 47 against Collingwood. There's some ridiculous numbers. It, it, you know, he's only had two sub-tons since round one. So is there the argument that he could be another perfect midfield, uh, you know, upgrade? And he's only in 11% of teams, which isn't overly unique. But, you know, a, the fact that he hasn't been going 110 plus for the entire season means that there hasn't been a whole lot of um, coaches buying to him. And he could be a stock that you want to jump on come to the end of the season because he looks like he's back to playing that midfield role. And, you know, with Jack McRae out for three or four weeks, there's no way they're going to be sticking up in the forward line. They need him in the engine room. Yeah, and that is 100% right. For the next four weeks while McRae's out, he will most likely be playing in the midfield. I just I get really... Con- I, I could not be sitting on the fence with like anymore with any other player right now, but I'm so on the fence with Bontempelli because I just would rather back in a player's ability than back in what their coach may or may not decide on, on game day. So if they need him forward or if he needs to rest forward at the end of this season because obviously he's still young and developing... If they realise that they've, you know, they're they're obviously not going to make finals, but when they are mathematically ruled out, there's every chance that they just really try and have him work at that forward craft, and that's the worst time you want him playing forward is during the Supercoach finals or when you're really trying to solidify that rank and have no more trades to sort of fix what you've done. So I do get concerned about that, and for that reason, I'm a little too sceptical. But look, if you jump on him, the the rewards are obviously there to reap, but it, you know, it's just that risk, isn't it? So it's, just, it's something you've got to weigh out personally as to whether you think Bevo will leave him alone and let him um, work on his midfield craft or whether he'll uh, whack him forward. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Hey, mate, uh, Sydney and West Coast had another fantastic game at the SCG. Uh, bit of a, a, a bit of a, a game that 
I guess Sydney didn't really run away with it, but they were just a little bit more effective going inside 50 than West Coast was. So um, obviously the notable scorers in this game, Elliot Yo 144 is fantastic. And uh, one of my boys on the Sydney sides, uh, Jake Lloyd, 122, uh, one that we pegged at the start of the year that I'm still disappointed I didn't run because he's been fantastic this year. But on the West Coast side of things, even though they were in most of the, uh, the contest, they just weren't scoring uh, super coach points uh, uh, during the game. Like there, there was no uh, accumulation, no dominance, and we saw that from the fact that you know outside midfielders like Andrew Gaff weren't getting the ball that they were used to. They're not getting it fed out to them, and it's going to impact his score. And we said uh, last week, the next five weeks um, and the next month ahead from now, West Coast have a very, very tough run. So I expect the uh, the outside runners of an Andrew Graff to be to have their scores impacted a little bit. Um, but on the uh, the Sydney side of things, even though they didn't run away with it, they ran away with the super coach points because there's some big numbers here. And even the likes of uh, JPK, another 112, he's just been ticking along again. And uh, Isaac Heaney, 97, he's been great. Lance Franklin is one that I want to touch on here, JB, because, yes, he's in 24% of teams, put up a 94, but there's every chance that he comes home with a wet sail. And, you know, at $486,000, he's down nearly 60K from the start of the year. He could be one of those players that if you jump on late as a, a last forward upgrade, he could just be, uh, you know, as I say, wet sail on the way home and just see those uh, that scoring power of your forward line rocket up. Yeah, and there's, there's there was a lot of talking points in this game. Alternatively, Franklin's uh, the opposition at the other end of the ground, Josh Kennedy, didn't fire at all, and a lot of people counted on him this week at his low price. But in regards to Franklin, uh, two goals, five, he threatened to score a very big number. And if he had just converted a couple more, then he was looking at the 120 mark that you know we really earmark him for uh, those sorts of performances against the struggling sides, not really the West Coast Eagles of the competition. So um, anything that he scores against them is really a big bonus. But was restricted to the 94. Uh, obviously, the set shots, uh, the kicking for goals, sorry, let him down. Um, in my opinion, with Franklin, I just find him really hard to trust considering... Um, well, there's a, there's a couple of factors. I mean, they've got a, a decent run still, so I'm not really concerned about his opposition. But that foot injury that he had was just so conspicuous, and he missed... A bunch of weeks because of it we don't know how that's affecting him and he just really stands out as a, a risk to uh to see a bit of a rest later on in the season as well and i know i probably seem like the most cautious player ever with the amount i'm talking about resting up forward or don't pick this player because he, he might do this or he might do that franklin might get a rest but these when you're picking with so such limited trades which i know a lot of people have you really just want to lock in a player to play the rest of the games throughout the rest of the season like you're justin westoff's who's missed like one game in the last 40 odd years or whatever. Um, but Franklin's just, I don't know, I'm a little bit untrustworthy with Franklin considering that foot injury that we really don't know enough about, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree on that. And I guess if you're looking at towards the Supercoach finals, if you are looking at him as a last upgrade, we've got uh, Collingwood, Melbourne, GWS and uh, Hawthorne at the SCG. So not exactly an easy run into the uh, the Supercoach finals for a Sydney player so keep that in mind uh liam ryan 45 uh backing up his 20 odd uh uh, that he had or 38 against uh sydney funnily enough in the four games he's played he's played sydney twice and scored sub 45 uh or sub 50 i guess in both of them which is interesting and i was a little bit confused by those looking at him as a uh someone to bring in jb at 188,000. i think he was 
or uh, 194,000, sorry. Uh, but I guess it's just because uh, we had so many uh, uh, players out in, in round 13 that we just needed to find a warm body to get on field. So um, if you're looking at him to make money, I don't think he's going to be making you uh, 150K anytime soon. Um, that pretty much wraps up that game here, JB. Uh, other than Luke Parker again sucking at the SCG, which is uh, an anomaly for him. I don't really know what's going on with him in 2018 at the SCG. <laughs> but, um, I'll cut you off now, Chizo, before you move sure. on to the next game. Um, it looked like Hanbury tagged Gaff in this one. So this was uh, a concern that a lot of us had in regards to trading in Gaff. When he gets sat on, he does tend to score a little bit low. It doesn't really get fully tagged out of a game, but it can be the difference between a 110 and like he did this game, a 74. So um, you could take the scoreline as, as what sort of brought him down, but the fact that he got sat with and he scored a 74 makes me really nervous about considering him for my last uh, midfield spot, considering... Uh, West Coast are really being hunted at the moment, and Gaff um, is obviously such a big source to their success. Um, and I, as Shannon Hearn was the other one, so just this 61 outside of West Coast, uh, outside of Perth, sorry. Um, he does put up a lot of good sc- scores in Perth, but when he flies, he doesn't score the best, and they do a lot of flying in the second half of the season. So um, also someone that I'm going to cross off my to-get list as my last defensive upgrades. And other than that, that should probably wrap us up. Isaac Heaney and Elliot Yo, um, just absolute locks. And actually, Chizo, before we do move on, sure. I'm cutting myself off this time. <laughs> um, Jake Lloyd, 122. I see so many people with their defensive six as your Simpsons, your Yo, which is fine. And then they've got players like Hurley, Savage, all, all these other players that aren't really scoring well. And Yo, uh, Lloyd's just sitting there. And I know he's at a, a decent price because he's had a few big games. But if you were considering a D6 and had unlimited money, I've got Lloyd earmarked as a, just an absolute lock for me. Look, if you don't, have, if you've got unlimited money, you just pick up the most expensive player every time. I think that's well, that's, Doc is that's, the most that's, expensive that's, player. It, it's it's pistols pistols <laughs> mantra. If yeah. the most for the most expensive player you can get, if the your funds are unlimited, I can see why those are going Hurley because he sh- presents value if he can bounce back to a hundred average. Um, yep. at the price that he's at. Jake Lloyd at 156,556. Uh, Jeez, that would have been cheap. Uh, 556,000 <laughs> there, JB. Not exactly a bargain. He's, he's slightly uh, overpriced for his average for the entire season, but his last five round, he's going at 122. So, you know, a five round average of, you know, scores like that, if he can keep that up for the rest of the year, that's just insane. But um, I'd have absolutely no dramas getting him in. I just think that he's a little bit overpriced at the moment, he's yeah, he, fair he, enough. He, he's he, like he, he's uh, um, probably his his price that he's probably going to perform at for the rest of years, maybe five thirty, five thirty five. But um, you know, what's twenty k if you've got unlimited funds? Okay, <laughs> we'll jump into Carlton and Fremantle. Finally, uh, Carlton were lucky to actually uh, kick a goal by the end of the game because uh, they were just <laughs> witches' hats on fan footy after about fifteen minutes. I think that was uh, pretty humorous. Cade Simpson's third quarter brought his score back uh, into the realms of uh, you know good scoring for us. One twenty three for him. Uh, Paddy Cripps one oh nine. Even in an absolute drubbing, he just shows why he's going to be a fantastic scorer for uh, the rest of his career. Ed Kernow nine. Even in a smashing, he's still showing that he does have some scoring potential, which is good for those that brought him in. It's a little bit of a point of difference, uh, you and me included, I think, uh, JB. Yeah, we'll keep that quiet. Uh, Lockie Neal and Nate Fife just putting out 150s quite easily. And uh, Luke Ryan, another solid 88. There's a lot of um, you know fantasy-relevant 
scorers from this game, JB, all the ones that we're looking at, kind of putting up good numbers here. Who were you liking from this game? Yeah, and sorry, just in reference to the Cade Simpson third quarter, uh, 18 disposals went hit, uh, from 28 Supercoach at halftime to 93 at three-quarter time. So unbelievable from him, and that's why a lot of people are getting him in. And you might have missed the boat. I think he had a decent price rise, but someone that who I'd definitely be getting in my back six. Um, in regards to the players that I'm liking in this one, I like Lockie Neal as a point of difference, but unfortunately he's on the buy this week. If you can afford to hold McRae for a week, Lockie Neal might be my favorite sort of point of difference type player to trade in. He's just so under the radar almost at all times. Didn't start the season too well, but has really come into his own, uh, especially over the buys now. And my absolute favorite point of difference player in this game is Luke Ryan. So put out an 88, which is decent enough considering they were traveling. Were they traveling? No, they weren't traveling. This one was at home, wasn't it? Okay, silly Jordan. Um, <laughs> but but um, he just scores really well in Perth. He had 125 round average at one point just because they played, I think, three of the five games in Perth and he was just going absolutely bananas. So um, considering players for my D6 spot, considering we've spoken so much about that, uh, he's earmarked for my side and still a massive point of difference. So um, definitely have a look at his scores over the season. He's only really dropped the ball a couple of times and just presents really good value as well, considering I think he put out a 102 off the top of my head, followed by an 88. So he's had a small price drop as well. Yeah, so uh, definitely one to keep uh, an eye out for. Obviously, on the buy this week with Stefan Giro, 150000 flat. Uh, put up another sixty-six. so he's been uh, generating a little bit of cash for those that have been able to utilise him. And those with trades, he looks like a, uh, a pretty good uh, cash cow option that those were able to jump on. What here, about mate? Andy Brayshaw, Chizo? Uh, a big it, 83 it, for the boy. I've still got him in my side. The 21% still have him in their side. And, you know, he's, he's finally up above 300,000. I know I wasn't sure it was going to happen this year, Jabba. I wasn't sure. I held him for a solid, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten rounds just to get that 70,000 out of me before I could justify, you know, sending him off uh, um, to the abattoirs. But as a cow, he hasn't uh, been great until, uh, for those that have held him until this point, he's uh, he's starting to make that cash that we, we thought he would, which is uh, really good. He's, he's yeah, you know, he's always been hard at the ball, but he's starting to show some good chops, um, which is good for him. Um, Adam Chera came back to earth a little bit after his uh, little bit of a snubbing from the Rising Star last week, which was a little bit surprising, only putting up a 56, but um, uh, he's been a pretty good cash cow as well for anyone that, uh, that jumped on him. Uh, JB, I do want you to talk to me about Ed Curnow because we copped a little bit of flack last week about um, you know just mentioning him as a, a point of difference inclusion. He's averaging 113 for the year, only in 3% of teams just talk to me about your thought process about why you might be considering him as your, you know, your last midfield upgrade. Yeah, and I'm spewing I didn't end up going with Kerno over McRae, so I did end up missing out on him. And even though he only put out the 95, he gave up a crazy amount of free kicks, which is um, kind of un like And he didn't give away heaps of them. He only gave away the two, but they were, they were really you know, just stupid free kicks that you wouldn't usually see Ed Kerner giving away. Still was able to put out a 95 and with only a 69% uh, percent, 
uh, disposal efficiency as well. And the, the best thing about him is that 95 is his second to lowest score for the year. So he's put out back two 86s and two 95s now. Everything else has been 100 plus and 109 plus at that. So um, generally does put out the big scores and it's just crazily consistent. He's the type of player that we spoke about it earlier. If you want someone... Well, you do want someone playing the remaining of the season considering the low trades that everyone's working with. Ed Kerno is consistent and will play from now throughout the season. So um, someone that you can really trust to... Like, they got drubbed in this one. Patrick Cripps and Cade Simpson's third quarter were lucky to score so well, and Kerno still got 95. So if they get close to a side, you know Kerno's good for 110+, plus, and you know, that's something that you could be very, very trustworthy with so um just just trustworthy i think <laughs> he won't yeah, get tagged the, either yeah and there's two points we should make about it he had six uh, he had a team high uh for clangers on the day and he was also tagging nate fife so um he's able to put up scores while doing a bit of a role so he's not going to be a complete shutdown like we talked with uh, tommy rockliffe on uh, not a successful um, tag either <laughs> yeah not a successful tag but you know at least he's at least he's trying and that's what we can all we can ask in our super carry side here jb uh we'll jump into the next game which is somehow a game after all that the talk and uh, all the laughter at uh, all the games that we'll be having during the bite. The Suns and the Saints turned into game of the round, which is uh, surprising. Uh, obviously, the Suns, um, you know, their, their uh, controller ran out of battery uh, right at the end there, and, uh, um, you know, uh, player one disconnected, and player two took over, and Gresh just uh, did that little <laughs> snap around the corner to kick uh, kick the winning goal, which, um, you know, I'd be as passionate as those Saints players as well if I, I beat a team that was actively trying to get the number one pick in this draft. So, um, you know, I'd be pretty chuffed as well. Um <laughs> Jared Lyons was back for the wilderness for a super coach turn. Great for my draft team. Um, and Seb Ross, uh, just back to uh, you know the what we expect from Seb Ross at the start of the year. We expected him to take another step up, and 136 from him was fantastic. Um, Jack Billings, JB, looked like he was going to get the ton, but just got scaled down to a 99. But it's interesting that in Saints games where he's won, he's he's averaging like a ridiculous one fifteen. So if we see a few more wins towards the end of the year, he might be a good F six mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because when they were getting flogged, he was actually on a hundred and ten super coach points with um, about ten minutes to go in the game, and people were celebrating. People were going, "Yes, this why I held him." I can't believe people still have him, um, and everyone else was saying, "Well, we might have to trade him in now that he's got that mid time." And then as soon as St. Kilda started pegging away and then got in front, he dropped from 110 down to 99 because he had no part of it. So it's funny that when they actually started winning the game was um, probably his worst 10 minutes of the game. But um, that stat is damning 115 average or 114.5 average, I think, in victories and uh, something like 65 or something crazily low in losses. So, I mean, that sort of tells the story, but... I think the main thing, the main issue is that midfield time. If he can play that midfield time, even in a losing side, I think he can go on to average 90 plus from now on. So might be a bit of a big call, but if you're looking for an absolute uh, free, essentially, player to trade in and potentially go 90 plus, there's no one to look at other than Jack Billings in your forward line. So I'm actually quietly confident that he's going to go well from now throughout the season. So I'm not trading him in because I'm not crazy, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can expect 90 plus from him from now on out, especially if he keeps getting that good role that he got this week. 
If you're listening to the podcast and you're wondering why we always talk about mid-time, there's two players we've highlighted as uh, potential buyers for this week. Chad Wingard and Jack Billings, both gone into the midfield in recent weeks. Both had their scores skyrocket. It, 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 it's why we harp on the importance of them having the right role. Just because they're a good player doesn't mean they're going to score because they've got to you know, be playing the right role for the team. So, um, it, again, are we confident that Jack Billings is going to keep this midfield wing half-forward role? Absolutely not. Um, but he's just uh, making a few coaches out there, probably more than a few, just hate the 2018 season a little bit more. We should touch on uh, Jimmy Webster here, JB. Only the 13 points. Has a little bit of an injury. It's looking to be a uh, three, four weeks adductor, I think it was. Um, We've obviously got to uh, think about trading him out, mate. Uh, We'll talk about potential options at the the end of the podcast, but you're instantaneously going to tell me just a yes or a no, would you be trading Jimmy Webster at this stage? Yeah, well, we actually haven't gotten the exact diagnosis, so they think it's a uh, in the quad, as you said, and uh, the rumour is that it's about a month, but until we get that exact diagnosis, if it's only two weeks, one of them being a bye week, uh, I would happily hold him for that one normal week, but if it's looking like three or four plus, then... Yeah, we do have to trade him, and I don't even know if we have to talk about it, Cheese. I've been dropping D6 comments all podcasts. There's a lot of good options out there in defense. <laughs> and uh, Logan Austin just putting up a 54, which is, uh, you know, a, a, a defender rookie, that you know, that's kind of what you expect from time to time. So he's still making a little bit of cash, 271000 Potentially a pretty good uh, option to trade out this week if you do need to grab a D6. So um, I'm going to be holding him at this stage at D7. Bailey Rice as well was very unlucky because he was looking at a good 70-plus score before he got uh, concussed. So there's a chance he doesn't play uh, in (laughs) round 15. So uh, just in your opinion, Chizo, between Bailey Rice and Logan Austin, Logan Austin's obviously going to play. Rice might not, but Rice has made less cash and has a lower break-even. Um, who would you be trading out this round if you had to do one of them? Uh, at this stage, I'd be looking to get Bailey Rice out because I think that um, that little bit of extra cash you can use with Logan Austin, he's going to be making a little bit more after the buy as well. You'd be able to uh, cash him in a little later on. Um, I, th- I think we always need to consider what we're going to be able to use cash after the buy as well because... You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a Stefan Giro that is going to make cash for people. But if you don't have trades, you can't utilize that money. So uh, if you're getting low on trades, uh, you could use, uh, you know, a Logan Austin to um, maximize the amount of money you get from the trade. But I think it's always important to have um, playing players on on the bench as, as much yeah. as possible. There's there's not, there, I wouldn't be advocating at any stage, um, you know, throwing away trades to get a donut on benches so you can, you know, perm a loophole for the rest of the season because the, if the buyers have taught us nothing, it's how easily one player can just not turn up unexpectedly, not be in the team sheet, and then, you know, you end up with 16 on field. So um, always get rid of the uh, the injured or the, the the player that's going to miss. Uh, potentially, uh, Bailey Rice could have that you know that fortnight to recover, but um, it's always difficult coming back from concussion. So um, th- that pretty much uh, sums up that game. I don't think we really need to talk about the the Gold Coast Suns all that much. No, There's they not suck. A whole lot we need to talk about. Yeah, uh, if you still got Nick Holman, what are you doing? Uh, we'll jump into the next game here, <laughs> well, Adelaide, Adelaide and Hawthorne here, JV. Uh, Tommy Mitchell, fantastic again, 136. 
it's uh, it's just lovely having him every week to put the uh, the VC or the C on because uh, Danger and Dusty this year just suck. Yep, exactly right. <laughs> yep, that wraps that one up. Uh, Jack Gunston, one twenty eight. Uh, sorry, one twenty three. We did talk about him uh, a little bit uh, on the podcast previously. Whether he was potentially going to be a good F six option here, JB. Even though he's put a fantastic score out this week, I'm still not sure that he's going to be a great F6, just because I'm not sure whether 90 to 95 is uh, something you want to be upgrading to to bring into your team. If you started with a Devin Smith and he's going 90 to 95, I think that's okay. I wouldn't be like moving heaven and earth to trade him to someone else, but I don't think I'd be using one of my precious trades at this part of the year to upgrade to someone that might go 95, you know what I mean? Yeah, and Gunston got that score playing the plus one in defence, so he seems to actually score really well when he is playing in defence, but not as well when he plays forward, so um, he'll get thrown around a lot, and it's just like what we've always said with Hawthorne, it's nearly impossible to own those their players because you don't know where they're going to go. Uh, Sicily even played forward a few weeks ago, and although he kicked three goals this game, he was had definitely in defence, uh, just a very, very good player. Yeah, and uh, he's a little bit cheaper at the moment too, uh, at only 503k. Uh, he's a sneaky defensive or forward option. Um, I thought he was a little bit undercut, only getting 115 points, but uh, kicking three goals, had uh, 24 kicks, six handballs, went at 87%, so fantastic disposal efficiency. I thought he was a, a little bit uh, short on what he probably deserved there. Source Jacobs putting out probably his only ton. I'm not even going to look because he's just trash these days. <laughs> and uh, Matt Crouch, another one that has uh, you know fallen off his perch compared to last year, uh, only averaging uh, in the 90s this season, uh, and in, in the 80s, in fact, for his three-round average as well. Uh, a 95, um, I wouldn't probably be happy if I'd traded him in at this point, but definitely one to keep an eye out on uh, later in the season if there's an injury and you're short on cash, but uh, that's the only reason I'd keep an eye on him. And we should touch on Tommy Duday. $394,500. He's gone up $270,600. He's probably, for me, I know Tim Kelly has been a, a fantastic cash cow this season, JB, but for me, Tommy Duday, the dude, has been the number one cash cow for me. Hand on my heart. I've loved having his, you know, his rock solid defense, both figurative, uh, figuratively and literally in the Adelaide side and in my super coach team. He's been fantastic, but I think it's time to go. Yeah, and it's either been him or Don Barry for that best cash cow uh, position this season. <laughs> um, uh, no, but I, I personally, I'd go with Fritch only just because I like Fritch a lot more. Um, watching him play, watching him go into that wing role has just been amazing uh, with his scoring pretty much just rocketing from in the 50s to you know 85 plus for the last month and a half so they've both been great they've both been very serviceable obviously as has kelly so it's been a very good year for cash cows actually we we'll have a podcast about that at the end of the season um but to mention touch on a few of the things that you said earlier um that is sam jacobs second ton for the season did turn up in round two against Richmond with 116, so I think you owe him an apology. <laughs> and Matt Crouch, 95, just seems to be scoring those really annoying numbers where you can't trade him because he's threatening to score 110 plus, but you don't want him either because he's not scoring 100 plus. So um, just sitting in that real annoying part where you just got to hold him and hope that he comes good. Uh, he'll be discounted a bit for next season, and if Adelaide. Uh, do what they should do in the off-season. They definitely should improve. And if they become a force uh, like they were last year, get all their injured players back, then he will be one that I'll earmark uh, straight from the get-go. 
Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Uh, the last thing I'll touch on, uh, Dude, uh, break even of 96. He's in 51% of teams, so you're either going to keep him as a D7 or trade him out this week. Uh, I, you know, We can't get attached to these rookies and think they're going to play on field for us for the rest of the year. Um, he will slow down towards the end of the year. So, you know, this is his first year playing, so time to go or time to perma-bench him um, and get another premium on there. So and that's both my... are good options as well. There's, there's not a wrong yeah. answer. If you're struggling for money... And you need to trade him, then do it. If you're not and you want to put him at D7, perfect. There's no yep. no issue either way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Richmond and uh, Geelong was another fantastic game here, JB. Well, I, I say it was fantastic, but I was watching this one and I was a little bit bored, I've got to be honest. Like, <laughs> it, there was nothing flashy. There was no, like, you know, um, anything that kind of got me out of my seat. There was a few good goals here and there, but it was just like... It was just a grind. It was like that that nine o'clock on Monday morning, you walk into work and you're just like, oh, I'm going to have to grind this one out and just get to five o'clock and check <laughs> out. Because, you know, I was watching this one and just the big names weren't doing anything. Danger, I was just getting frustrated. Danger was there just twiddling his thumbs. Martin was over there checking his calf, whether it's still attached to his leg because he's still sore or something like that. And mm-hmm. he was just kicking it like trash. I think it was you that uh, that, uh, that said he had the worst 40-odd in a, in a half a footy you've ever seen, like he, he yes. should have been on, he should have been on minus forty because it was just uh, just not something that I was uh, uh, overly impressed with, and just the likes of a lot of our super coach options. Uh, you know, we talked about a Gaz, he only put up an eighty. We talked about Caddy, how he's been averaging um, fantastically over you know the last five rounds. He's only put up a sixty eight. Um, Duncan only put up a, a ninety seven. It was Selwood uh, and uh, Cochin that were really kind of driving their teams. Um, you know, towards uh, the, the the final game, and, and you know, get their teams over the line. But even they didn't really have fantastic scores, even though uh, you know, Selwood had 117. I just really didn't know what to make of it. Like, I was almost more excited watching the Saints come back than I was watching this grind. Yeah, it was a bit strange, wasn't it? It felt like the game was over well before um, three quarter time, even. But it was just Richmond would just you know keep them at arm's length and. Geelong kind of just stood there and were like, yeah, okay, we'll just stay at arm's length. You're right. This is a good decision. Uh, I even switched onto uh, Fortnite halfway through this one, Chizo. So uh, just so you know, it did bore me as well. You weren't the only one. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was a bit strange. And I think the main part of it was there wasn't a ton of super coach relevance. Like Dustin Martin was coming back, which is great, but he hasn't been scoring well lately anyway. And he continued that trend with an 88. Look, if I had a couple of trades up my sleeve and, well, still had Dustin Martin, I would be looking to trade him out or getting him to M9 or something because he's just not the player that he was last year. He got a lot of midfield time in this game and still was unable to score the big score. I know he gave away four free kicks, um, booted around eight clangers, so he definitely could have scored the ton, but just does not look like getting amongst it this year, and Richmond are doing fine without him doing that much, so... Uh, crazy to say, I know, but it is what it is. So, um, yeah, there just wasn't a lot of relevance in this one. If you still have Kelly, uh, he's still going decently with a 75. You could probably trade him out now. Um, and other than that, Dangerfield, 102. None of the other Geelong midfielders are that highly owned. Uh, Selwood could present as a point of difference, but we spoke about this last week. He's just very hot and cold, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, It was a hard uh, it- game to really get into, wasn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And just in reference to Dusty, he had a team-high eight clangers, which um, 
uh, it brought his score down just a little bit. But even on, uh, you know, we touch on, touch on danger. Yes, he turned up in, in Supercoach. He only had 75 in Dream Team. So um, potentially uh, if he didn't get a few things go his way and, you know, those scores were on parity with each other, which is what they usually are, uh, it could have been a 70 from danger. So um, uh, generally just his contested possessions from the from the game kind of uh, propped his score up. So um, I was going into the, into the, the final game of the buy uh, round thirteen round, thinking that I'd put up a you know a seventeen fifty or even an eighteen hundred, I definitely wasn't expecting like a, only a hundred and seventy odd points from Danger and Dusty. I was a, a pretty disappointed to say the least. Um, but yeah, that pretty much wraps up the scores there, community. Uh, JB, I, I'm pretty sure uh, that covers everything that we do want to talk about in reference to the games from the weekend. We do want to move into now some trade options. A couple of the big names we do want to talk about is Jack McRae and Jimmy Webster. We'll start with McRae here, JB. Obviously, being someone that has McRae, you have just been told that he's, you know, he's out for three to four weeks. Let's say, let's just round up and say he's out for a month. Talk to me about some of the options that you're considering for your team uh, and whether you are firstly going to trade him out. Yeah, so ruled out for, uh, I think it was a minimum four, no, up to four weeks, I think they said. So in my opinion, if you're going to say up to four weeks, then you know it's obviously a very real possibility, maybe even a probability that he does miss that fourth week. Um, for me, I'll be trading. Uh, definitely, I'm not carrying someone at that price uh, for that amount of time. That's a lot of points. And I mean, obviously, you, you look at his money and you go, it's just money. But <clears throat> obviously, each dollar is associated with points. And you're carrying a lot of points um, and playing a rookie score for a few weeks. And you know that's just not good for the ranking. Unless I had good cover already, um, I definitely would be getting rid of him. My main targets... I mean, Oliver is very lowly owned uh, for someone that is playing so well. 114 average. He'd be my number one target if I didn't have him. Uh, obviously, it's very team-specific as well. you got the main big guns that everyone's jumping on. Another one is Josh Kelly. So just coming back, really eased into it with a couple of 90s and then uh, went huge against Gold Coast. A lot of people considering him. Um, I would be as well if I did not have him. Just because he, he sort of exists as a point of difference and uh, due to his six weeks off, and if you can get a point of difference, Josh Kelly, seeing what he did last year with the absolute, I mean, really high uh, floor that he had, then you sort of understand why he was priced so high, highly this year. And it's hard to say no to someone like that, especially when they're a point of difference. And then the other one is Cripsy. So they're all very obvious, Chizo. And I think it's the type of uh, time in the year where we get unobvious. That's not a word, but it is now. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> I really I, want to I, talk about someone, Chizo. Can I? Can I have your permission? Yeah, to go, do so? go, go, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I know who it is. No, no, Chizo. no, Chizo. You don't know. Oh. No, you're probably thinking it's someone like Sean Higgins or something, aren't you? Yeah, actually, it was. Well, you're definitely right because it's Sean <laughs> Higgins. Come on, boys. He's coming off the buy. He's fresh. Back to back, one twenty plus scores. And can I just say? He's had one score below 75, and that was the game in which he got concussed against Hawthorne. He was on 62 just after halftime. His other score uh, below 88 was against GWS, which I can't really explain myself. (laughs) Other than that, he's gone all 80 or 90 or 120, really, plus. So one, two, three, four, five scores above 120 for the season. 
All other scores are around the ton mark, and he has been tagged this year by uh, Bailey Banfield for Fremantle. Thought was sat on very heavily, actually. Still put up a 92. So North Melbourne seems to be really helping him out when he does face those tags. And Chizo. But mm. wait, there's more. He's yeah. coming off a couple of sort of ordinary scores uh, prior to this hot run that he's on. So he's only 500k, which is very, very cheap. And if I were to read out North Melbourne's next few games, they've got Western Bulldogs this week, then Essendon, which is a bit of a tougher one. Then they've got Gold Coast, Sydney, which is tough as well. And then Collingwood, which, you know, you'd expect them to go okay. I'm going to keep reading these. Um, We'll skip that one because that's a tough game. (laughs) And then Brisbane. So it actually looks like they've got a good run home. Um, And he's, you know, he's obviously a god at football. I'm going to stop selling him because I don't want everyone to jump on him. But, Chizo, I will 100% be trading him in this week. Oh, good. No, finally catch you. That, that's going to be good. Um, <laughs> look, everyone, each to their own. It's your own team. You pick the players that you like. There's no point having a player in your team that you don't like. And that's specifically why I'm not getting short Higgins in mine. Uh, oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure about where the fascination came from JB around uh, short Higgins. It's in the folklore somewhere. Um, but obviously... Just uh, uh, most of that uh, speech you've given me there, JB, is uh, making excuses for him. It's, it's kind of all I've heard heard there. Yes, he's got a three-round average of 114. Yes, he's uh, unique in only 1.5% of teams. Yes, he's coming off the bye and he's playing uh, reasonably good teams here. But it, it just feels like that your hunch is a little bit biased, mate. Yeah, I'm not going to try and explain his 120 plus scores. I'm more trying to explain his low scores. Um, obviously, his 120 plus scores speak for themselves. And Chizo, what can I say? If you don't feel like succeeding, then don't trade him in. <laughs> well, I, I like what you said about the, um, was it unobvious? selections that, yeah, that's we, we, we we need to make. Obviously, we have talked about the likes of a uh, a Tommy Rockliffe. He is a, a considerable downgrade um, from a Jack McRae. Some people might be just crazy enough. But I want to talk about the fact that we always try and get top 10 midfielders into our midfield uh, lineup. If you are trading out a Jack McRae, you should be replacing them with a top 10 midfielder. So for those... Um, players in there at the moment. We've got McRae, Tommy Mitchell, Nat Fife, Clayton Oliver, Paddy Dangerfield, Ed Kerno, Paddy Cripps, Adam Trelaw, Josh Kelly, and Lockie Neal rounding out the top 10. With the buy mm. there, JB, you mentioned it before. Um, you could wait a week to see uh, if you, um, you know, you, we get some more information on Jack McRae. Uh, say you don't have a Dangerfield, a Fife. Uh, or even a Lockie Neal, you could wait one extra week just to get some further information to see if you do. You are forced to trade him out. And I guess the thing we should touch on with Jackie McRae as well is that it, if he's out for three weeks, one of them is the bye. Do we count that as a three-week injury or do we count that as a two-week injury? Because, you know, he was never, you know, um, uh, he's never going to be a player that... Um, was going to keep up his 126 average for the entirety of the year. So whether we consider him being, uh, if you jumped on him early, you could consider him just being like a, a bit of a stepping stone to someone else that you uh, you don't have. 
Um, or, you know, he could potentially come back from his injury and only average 115 for the rest of the year. We just don't know. That's that's the, the query that we have with him um, coming off a, a, you know, a soft tissue injury as well, JB. I like the idea of picking someone a little bit unique um, instead, like a Sean Higgins that's only 1.5%. So I do like the idea of picking an Ed Kearney only in 3% of teams or even a Lockie Neal only in 5.8% of teams. They're the two most unique of the top 10 there, JB. So they're two decent options that I like. Uh, the only other one there that I, I would like to mention is probably a, a Bontempelli. He's a little sneaky option to get more midfield time without the likes of Jack McRae in the next three to four weeks, only in 11% of teams. So uh, that pretty much wraps that one up, JB, oh, unless you have right. any further any further um, <clears throat> comments on, on Jack McRae's trade deals. I'm clearing my throat because I'm about to talk a lot again. Okay, go. So another player around Sean Higgins' price is Ollie Wines, right? So we mentioned him earlier. <laughs> have a listen, have a listen. I've got a good sales pitch here. More thought has gone into this one. Go, 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 go. So at Adelaide Oval, he scored 93, 98, 116, 98, 142, and 157. So obviously those big scores are in, but are both of them in the last fortnight. So he's on a bit of a hot run. But it's fair to say he doesn't score that well away from home. He did have a big one against Sydney. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to read out his run home. So the week coming up is a home game. So you're good for, as per this season, a 93+. plus. Then he plays Carlton away. So against Carlton, you'd still expect a decent score, even though it's away. Then he's home again. Then he's got Fremantle away which, you know, it's Fremantle. So again, you're probably expecting a decent score there. And he's got another home game, followed by Western Bulldogs away, another favourable away game. Back-to-back home games after that, Collingwood away, which might be a tough one, and then another home game. So with that run home, a few easy teams there on the away games, mixed in with a lot of home games, he could actually be one that runs home very, very well. And... When he's got those extra donuts in that that paycheck, he might be uh, might be having a bit more motivation as well. Yeah, and he's only in three percent of teams, so I don't mind that. Although we have seen what Dusty plays like when he's no longer playing for his contract, so <laughs> um, it, definitely uh, a, a good unique option there, JB. And I don't mind it. I just I, I probably don't see him going 110, 115 for the rest of the year, like you could bank with one of the other guys. But uh, definitely a good option jb we'll jump into jimmy webster here mate we're talking defense now obviously he he kind of came out of the woodworks we weren't really expecting him to be as good as he was this year if we're going to ignore some of the bigger options that we uh, you know expect people to have by this stage we're talking about you know a rants uh, sorry, Rance. A, oh, a, Rory, a, a Rory Laird a, and like a, a Cade Simpson, maybe an Elliot Yo. If you don't have any of those three, who would probably be your next option for a Jimmy Webster um, if he is out for the three to four weeks as expected? Well, I have spoken about Jake Lloyd being a good option. Um, he's a little price, as you said. Uh, Luke Ryan's another one who plays uh, obviously really well in Perth and is averaging very well for the season. A couple of other options, and the next option, we might get the ghost of uh, Pistol in to, to mention, <laughs> but the first one is Harris Andrews with a three-round average of 115, uh, buffered big time by that 152 he scored last time he stepped on the deck, 
But uh, since round three against Port, he scored 101, 130. Then he had back-to-back 80s, followed by 107, 115, 91, 102, and 152. So um, I don't know what happened to him uh, since that Port Adelaide game in round three where he scored 57. Um, but it just looks like he's he's really entered into uh, a real confident area and he's getting about 400 spoils a game, which are worth three points each. So you know he's going to get a minimum 10 to 20 spoils per game, which is good for almost half a ton already. And then beyond that, he just the ball's going to be in Brisbane's uh, half of the the defending half of the ground a lot. You'd expect him to just sort of do what he does and gets a lot of clean possessions. Actually, really plays like a Hurley. Reminds me of that Hurley type where he's a big player, but also uh, like a key possession key position player build, but also does really well at distributing the ball as well. So they try and get it into his hands quite a lot coming out that defensive fifty. So I do like Harris Andrews and. We're talking about point of difference is Chizo, so he's definitely uh, qualifies for a point of difference. Yeah, I like that. The first thing I should say is uh, copyright around intellectual property is a little bit uh, murky these days, and uh, I think Pistol um, definitely owes me a pat on the back because anything about Harris Andrews, from his opinion, definitely comes through me first because I love the kid. So <laughs> uh, just because he's not here and Oops. to defend himself, uh, I'm just going to uh, uh, put that out there. Um, we should also mention Jack, Jack Crisp. He's ah, also, that was the one I was going to get Pistol's Ghost to talk about. Oh, right. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, Pistol's Ghost uh, likes Jack Crisp and even brought him him, him into his side. Uh, when we're talking about, you know, your top 10 midfielders in your back line, you talk about the top six that, you know, you want to maximise the amount of those you have in your team. So of, uh, you know, I guess the, the top five defenders that I'd want to have, Rory Laird, Sicily, Simpson, uh, Yo and Lloyd, are probably the five that I'd really want to have in my team just to scoring pot- potential and consistency. Uh, obviously, right at the top of the list from averages and defensive side of things is Tom McDonald at 113.1. Playing as a forward, I'm not entirely sure how you can, uh, you know, how long you can keep that scoring potential. Pun me up. JB. So I think he's considerably overpriced at the moment for what. He offers only five, uh, you know, five hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars for Tom McDonald. I think is a little bit overkill. He could be one of those players that surprises me, but uh, we saw with um, uh, Jesse Hogan, he came back to the field a little bit as well. He didn't keep up that one hundred and fifteen uh, as he he was averaging at one point. We've talked about Harris Andrews. We talked about Jack Crisp. We should also talk about Michael Hurley. Only four hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars. He is an interesting pick. The problem with um, Michael Hurley is he seemed to have a little bit of a role change here, JB. Is that something that you are kind of witnessed as well? And you, you Would you agree with that? Yeah, so he definitely uh, was playing a different role last time he played, so before the bye. He was playing as an actual key possession, key position, I keep saying possession there, key position defender. And uh, we know he's obviously tall and, and bulky like a key position defender. But as I said, uh, in that sort of Harris Andrews uh, type role, or it's a Michael Hurley type role, but as I explained it with Andrews earlier, he really is the player that they go to out to to get it out of their defensive 50. So he gets a lot of rebounding 50s, and uh, also is the first guy to get off his man to to mark spoil or do whatever uh, in any other contest. This game though, he was really mining his opponent and got a. I think it was definitely a season low in disposals due to that. 
but still uh, seemed to score 90 plus. So he's built pretty well since his um, since he came back from his injury. And if he keeps on building the way he is, then he looks like a very good option to me. And someone that can probably score in almost any role in defense, but we would rather him playing that sort of floating, um, high possession gathering type role in defense rather than the key position. Yeah, and I suppose as a, as a D6, a replacement for Jimmy Webster, he doesn't cost you anything. In fact, you, you make about $1,000 back. So um, I, I can see that. So if you're short on cash, you're low on trades, he's an easy straight swap for Jimmy Webster, which is what I like. Also, the fact that he's 460 k he's far cheaper than you're going to get for anyone else. From the guys that we mentioned, Rory Laird, Sicily, Simpson, Lloyd, Yo, even Harris Andrews, Jack Crisp, they're all over or well over $500,000. So, um, you would have to find considerable funds or do two trades to fix Jimmy Webster um, specifically without having to worry about other uh, parts of your team. So um, even if he's not going to do the 110 average, which we uh, you know we saw last year and we saw, saw up until about round six this year, where he's averaging 105, you might not see that, but you might see uh, you know a high 90s average, which could be enough to fill that position for you, particularly if you're low on trades like Pistol is. And uh, that pre- <laughs> that pretty much wraps it up. I don't I, the the only thing with uh, the defense line, I don't like the idea of going someone random like you know taking a risk on like a Tom Rockley for a Chad Wingard because defense is a little bit more fickle because if they are a you know a Heath Shaw for example, you know he might have a good role, he might not have a good role. They can really, really burn you, particularly towards the end of the year um, when everyone else is upgrading their, t- you know, they're at full strength and you've got someone that's going backwards. So I'd be looking at, at, at someone that's bottomed out uh, or virtually bottomed out like a Michael Hurley um, if you are only uh, able to, you know, straight swap and not utilize any other trades to make some cash. So um, that pretty much uh, wraps up those two big players that we need to talk about their trades the last thing i want to touch on before we wrap up i know this is a long podcast here jb how many trades in your opinion should you have by the end of the buy like i know this is the final buy round that we're coming up how many are you looking at having and you know towards the end of the year should we be advocating people to uh, you know hold trades next week and the week after to try and make it to finals or um you know should we just burn through them like Pistol does and maximize our team as quick as we can? Well, yeah, it's very dependent on your team. So <clears throat> you want to have probably four four to six trades at the bare minimum when you get to full premium. Now, I know I don't want to stress people out, but that is probably higher than what a lot of people are running with at the moment, higher than what I'm running with at the moment. Um, if you're running with lower... I'd still get to full premium as soon as possible because at the end of the day, uh, once you get to that full premium, it just comes down to luck. Um, if you hold off for too long, you'd, you're going to miss a lot of points. And if you're playing for ranking, it's uh, especially hard to catch up on everyone else that is full premium, even if they do cop injuries later down the track. So I'd definitely get to full premium for uh, as soon as possible, unless, I mean, unless you're out of trades pretty much and you've got two trades left, you might as well keep those, I guess. But um, yeah, definitely trade your heart out until you get to full premium. And then, I mean, either you got four plus and you're sitting pretty comfortably knowing that um, it's probably unlikely unlikely you get four plus injuries or you're like me and you have around the two mark (laughs) and you just have to sit there and pray that more than two people don't get injured for the rest of the season. So 
I think ideally you'd be looking at four plus to be comfortable, but at the end of the day, um, it's a luck game in many facets, and uh, surviving full premium with barely any trades is a, a big part of the luck game as well, Chizo. So um, don't stress if you're if you're low on trades, because I'm sure you're not the only one uh, around your rank that is low on trades. Yeah, and uh, that I pretty much agree with everything you said there, JB. And the the thing that we should say. We always hear this term, uh, you know, full premium, where my team is going to be full premium. There's a little bit of a flexibility in that word. That doesn't mean that you're every single player in every line is averaging 100 plus. For me, my team is going to be full premium and my D6 is going to be Shane Savage. Just by the way that I've had, I've had injuries and I've had to trade around and, uh, you know, cover where players have been injured... I haven't had the ability to upgrade him at any point. I am going to be making a little bit more cash. I'll come out of the buys with six trades, which I've carefully kind of saved to allow me to make, you know, a couple more downgrades going into the buys to kind of maximize my scoring potential for league purposes so that I can turn the likes. Um, so I'll have, you know, a Josh Kelly coming in. I'll have Rocky at M9. Um, I'll have a Devin Smith at F6 and I'll have a Shane Savage at D6. That one more little cash grab that I'm planning on will allow me to get, you know, a Shane Savage up to uh, one of the, you know, the 100 plus defenders that I don't have. It'll also allow me to get Devin Smith at the same time up to one of those 100 plus forwards by the end of the year that I don't have. So just keep that in mind when you're talking about uh, full premium in your side because, um, they're not always going to be the top six in every single line, but they are going to be, you know, a premium output that you can. Consistency is the word we're looking for because you know that on every given week, all of your premium inverted commas players are going to give you a ninety plus, and that's what we're talking about when we're talking about full premium. So coming out of the buys, that's what we're looking for. If it takes you one more round because of injuries and things like that, that's okay, but. That's pretty much uh, the, what we're referring to when we're talking to premiums in our, our full side there, JB. I think that pretty much wraps everything up here, mate. It's been fantastic to hear your voice again. It's been a while since we've been on the pod together, mate. Yeah, I was thinking of just giving you a ring and, and just talking to you, just getting that radio voice back in my head because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a beautiful voice, Gizo, and I think uh, I speak for every woman out there at least when I say I love to hear it. Uh, well, uh, I'm just going to uh, take that as it is, JB. I'm not sure if I want, I want you having those thoughts late at night. There's not much uh, you can do I, with I, that information. I, I, think, I think you can keep that to yourself. Uh, mate, fantastic having you on. I really do hope you make it out the other side of the final buy round here, JB, and everyone out there listening because it is the final buy round for 2018 and we can just look back at our teams and see the drama that has unfolded over the last few weeks and just, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel here, mate. So um, good luck, community. Good luck with your trades. Get 18 on the park or make sure you donate for donuts. Help us with our cause and we will see you all next week. Get Sean Higgins.